welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast, brought to you by Rocket Agency. I'm your host, James Lawrence. Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast. I'm here today with Ryan Benici. Ryan, welcome to the pod. Thanks, James. It's great to be here. Legend. So for those of you that um, don't know Ryan or don't know of his career so far, um, I believe Ryan to be one of Australia's leading marketing exports. He started his career in Sydney at roles for Microsoft and then Exact Target. He moved into Salesforce in 2013, where he became head of marketing APAC, jumped across to HubSpot in 2015, where in Australia, he went on to become head of marketing for the JPAC region, moved to uh, the US to HubSpot HQ in 2017, where he moved into the head of global marketing role responsible for brand PR, digital and social. Uh, Shortly after that, he was appointed CMO at G2, where he held that role until 2021. Ryan, you consistently get ranked in the Forbes Forbes World's Most Influential CMO list. Uh, you're currently CMO at Jim Pass, which is based in Brooklyn, or you're based in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Jim Pass is a $2 billion tech unicorn. Ryan, welcome to the pub. Hey, James. Thank you. It's kind of funny hearing back a lot of those roles. I feel like I'm, I need to do a better job at like reflecting on the past and getting better at this as I get older, but... I feel like for such a long time in my career, I was so like next, next, moving, yeah. like growing, evolving. And I don't know, it's it's kind of nice to stop and like reflect on like all the little things in the journey. Well, you're still, kind of you're still the that. 21. You still look like the 21-year-old kid that, <laughs> that I met years ago. But um, you, you've, ach- you've achieved a lot in, in not a very long space of time. Yeah, it hasn't been long. And I, I mean, I, it's testament to my very low self-esteem from when I was younger that I dedicated so much effort to trying to achieve, um, to make up for it. I think I've worked on that self-esteem over the years and yeah. it's in a better place today, but yeah, it's funny what, what that can do. Well, I wanted to ask you about kind of the motivation and the drive. Maybe we'll come back into that um, in, in yeah. a little bit later on the pod, but I think um, listeners to the pod, marketers, large skew towards in-house Australian marketers. I kind of wanted to start with those first few roles that you picked. Like I think we've known each other for a long time and I think you did a really good job of um, identifying good businesses to work out, good opportunities. Like how did you go about that? What what lessons would you share from those early roles out of you? Yeah. You know, I think like, so I think for me, so, you know, I was a, you know, I started university and then I took some time off and was a flight attendant, which was really fun. And that was never kind of a career path. And then as I went back to uni, I think for me, step one was like getting good grades so that I could get into like good sort of graduate programs or intern programs. And so I was at Sydney uni and I found out that Microsoft was recruiting and kind of got luckily got into that process. And they kind of went from a few thousand people, I think started the process and then they chose, I think, five or six of us and that was probably like my that was my first I guess like legit corporate experience before that I had done marketing for the cool hunter um which was like back then gosh like in the early 2000s like and it still is like a really interesting blog and social media space it was was a lot I think more influential back then potentially or maybe not even say that there was just less competition I think back then um and so I think I like started to kind of like you know get my experience going there and then microsoft kind of really helped me kind of evolve from there and man when i look back to that i've said this a few times but like i just there's so much i didn't know um like i vividly remember being asked to like do case studies at one point and i was like working on case studies for one of our sales teams at microsoft and i like 
was too embarrassed to be like, why am I doing a case study? Mm. Like I, like no one, it, it seemed like now, like having been in the industry for something, I'm like, oh my God, obviously a case study helps you like sell your product. <laughs> Cause it's like customers that have had success with it. Again, that's so embarrassing. Like back then I didn't re- I couldn't connect the dots. Like I hadn't been in the industry long enough. And I remember just being like doing it, but not having any clue what I was doing. And I don't know if I do a great job at this today, but I tr- I try to remember that when I am working with more junior marketers on my teams, because what I take for granted just from like having learned over the years, like is thanks to lots of years. So uh, I think for me though, early on, I, I, what I, what I cared a lot about was like being able to like own a number. Uh, and I still care about that a lot today. I think, you know, one of the best ways as like in any role really um, to kind of, you know, grow and move up is to be able to show like your impact on something. Um, and so for me, like, you know, at Microsoft, that was really all about um, like, how do we get more students into buying kind of Microsoft Office? How do we get more students into buying? So back when there was like the Windows phone, yeah. um, and so it was quite like revenue oriented, which I liked. And um, and I think, so that, I mean, I kind of fell into that. So I don't really think I was like super smart in how I got there. I just knew that like, I wanted to learn a lot and I figured like we're better to learn than Microsoft. What, what I did learn there really quickly, in addition to a lot of other things, was that like that was just far too big of a company for me to let learn really quickly. I, I think okay. it was like eighty thousand, or probably was it eighty thousand or three hundred thousand. It was it was it was a huge number of employees, yeah. and so it was incredibly bureaucratic and very slow. And it was really sad because there were some of the smartest people I think I've probably ever worked with in my career at Microsoft. Yeah. But the process of that company just and this was in the Balma days, so I think it's gotten a lot more innovative since then. Um, after that though, I think for me, what I realized really quickly was like, I wanted to be in companies that were growing quickly. Yeah. And I think that helps you in a few ways, right? Like it helps you from like a financial perspective, right? If they're growing quickly and you can contribute at the company, your equity, your salary, it, 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 it increases and you get promoted quickly because they're hiring quickly. Yeah. And so it has like some nice benefits there, but it also is an exciting place to like learn, work and learn and, you know, you get given bigger opportunities. And so I think I was really lucky at, with that at exact target to kind of get in as one of the first marketing hires or I was the first regional hire and then kind of like built some people under me and proved myself out as like, Hey, you know, I'm new to managing, but I can do it. So I was a fucking horrible, if I can say that like marketer back or manager back then. Yeah. Um, I think it's like so hard to make that transition from like being a strong individual contributor to being a manager. It was especially hard for me. Um, and I think like, thanks to like a lot of executive coaching, I really learned that you need to really be able to balance relationships and results. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, I was like, so over-indexed on results. Like I just, like, I'm a super like high EQ person, but for some reason back then in a work context, it was like the results component just consumed my mind. I was so driven on like growing the results that I didn't spend enough time on the relationships. And I think I learned that the hard way and. Um, was able to get really good coaching when I was at HubSpot to help me there. But to me, it's kind of like, yeah, owning a number. I think like owning a region is a really great thing too, right? Like if you're an Australian marketer listening to this, I would say I would try and get a job at a US company that is like opening their offices in Australia and they need like a a marketing manager. And what, and I, I really like credit that probably is the most important thing in me getting to where I got to, because I think it gave me, the opportunity to learn about every single part of marketing really quickly. Yeah. You know, if you, if you are, um, 
you know, if you're a field marketer at Gym Pass, like in the US, for example, right, you're getting your tip, you're, you're running a region, and you're just doing like a sliver of it. Whereas like when you are a marketer in a region outside of HQ, um, you're kind of exposed to everything like social media, PR, blogging, yeah. um, demand gen, email marketing, like depending on the company, you may get more or less exposure, but at HubSpot, like we run everything for our region. And so I think for me, and the same is true at Salesforce and exact target. Um, and so for me, it kind of like helped me like learn just organically a bunch of these different channels so that when I moved to the US, even though I hadn't been a CMO before, it was, it wasn't as difficult, I think, for me to move into that role because I had done all, I'd run all of those things at a regional level. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's, that's something that I say to a lot of even just like marketers over in the US. I'm like, try and get like a regional role in the company that you're at because you'll just get so much more exposure. And then you can kind of move move on up with the learnings that you get from that. Yeah, it's good, it's good, good insight. What um in those early days, did you have coaching or mentoring or someone you're looking at? Like, I think across my career, looking at people that have gone into businesses that are fast growing, industries that are fast growing, not even in marketing, it just creates opportunity. Mm-hmm. And generally, you're going to fare better than if you're in a declining industry or a declining business. Like. Did you come to that realization yourself or was that something you kind of worked on more strategically with someone else? Um, no, you know what? I was, I was never good with the whole, I mean, I think I, I think I had a few maybe like mentors through the years that I would rely on for very specific things. So like, as I was moving on up in my career and like negotiate, like I like think of myself as like a fucking master negotiator when it comes to like salary and compensation. I love to teach all my friends what I have learned over the years, but it's, I think that's like one of the areas where like I actually did really specifically go out there and look into my network, family, friends, et cetera, and be like, who are executives that have moved overseas? Like speaking to all of them, like, what did you negotiate into your packages? So like when I was going through that process, like I negotiated like everything. Um, so there's like really specific things like that. I think that I'm like good when I realize like, look, I don't know much about this. Like, let me go all in on that for, for other stuff. I think it was more organic. I don't know if I was like as much of a mastermind as I would hope that I would have been. I mean, I think, I think for me, like the mastermind or the strategy piece just came from like this burning desire deep down to be a CMO. Like I, I knew that very early on in my career, like even before I started working, that that's what I wanted to do and be. And so I think I wasn't one of those like people that was a bit confused around what they wanted to do. I was like so focused on that. And so because of that, I think I was able to be kind of strategic like yeah. as things arose. And, and, you know, I think there is like some strategy involved in that too. Like I remember at one point when Exact Target was being acquired by Salesforce, I remember like sitting down with one of my team members and being like, okay, just as a heads up, like we're going to promote ourselves like in our levels on our LinkedIn so that like, when Salesforce is looking at our comparison to like their marketers, like we're going to be hired. So like, you know, there's, <laughs> I do have like a part of me that's like very like aware of optics and strategy. And that did work out really well for us. <laughs> like we, it was kind of like a reverse acquisition Salesforce acquired us, but then we kind of acquired their marketing team. Yeah, right. And I don't think like based on my like years of experience and just my age, like I definitely wouldn't have been able to do that. I don't think had I have like been pretty like strategic and, I think part of that's like luck and part of that's also like, I don't know, having been bullied as a kid when I was younger, like I'm just always thinking that someone is trying to take advantage of me. And I've again done a lot of therapy to work on this now, but (laughs) 
that was like one of those moments where I was like, okay, like this, another CMO at their company is going to be like working out, are they going to take me over? Or am I going to take them over? Yeah. Um, and it sounds even like dirty saying that out loud right now. I don't think I've ever like verbalized that before, but I remember being like, you know what? Like, no, we're really good at this thing. Like we're going to, we're not going to just like lie down. We're not giving and, up our, our patch. And give up. Yeah. And, and that worked. Um, so I think, I don't know. It's yeah, I think a little bit of, a bit of strategy um, and just like, being a bit of a fighter um and then also knowing your worth i think also was really important for me to like as i went through my career i think i was always again kind of to my earlier point about like really focusing on a number and your impact like if i wasn't getting a promotion and someone older than me in another region was getting a promotion and was on more salary i would go to my boss and i would point to my numbers and i would point to this person who was older and more senior's numbers and i'd say like like with all due respect like we're doing more efficiency we're driving more revenue why are they getting promoted and I'm not? And I think that helped me move on up over the years yeah. um, more quickly. Um, so yeah, in terms of that number, like we um, I always have the, the final question on the pod is always kind of what's that single piece of advice you'd give to an in-house marketer. And I, I think the, not to disparage the guests that don't give this answer, but <laughs> I reckon some of the, the, um, the highest performing marketers and probably 50% of the pe- people that appear on the pod will give that, which is, you've got to talk business, you've got to connect it to a business number, um, mm. you've, got to, you've got to have something to put your hat onto. What, what's your advice there? Like, are you talking, you know, one, two, three numbers? Are you talking a dashboard with, you know, 74 different um, metrics? Like, how do you balance that? When You you're... know, I think it depends on like where you're at, like in your seniority, right? So like as a regional marketer, like so when I was like a director or, you know, demand gen person, for me, it was really like the revenue number was the most important one, right? Like marketing sourced revenue, right? So I would always want to show, okay, like this month or this quarter, we closed, you know, a hundred million dollars in revenue and 50 million of that a hundred million was sourced by my team, right? So like the sales team would have like, that all came from like our demand gen activities. So it's basically like inbound versus outbound, I guess. Um, and again, it's not, it's not a competition. Like we all win. We all want to grow more and more revenue, but I think it's really important to be able to like show your worth, right? Like yeah. I am not the kind of marketer that's like, yeah, we influence all these deals. And like, you know, I, I really don't have much time for influence if I'm completely honest. Yeah. Um, I think influence has a place, but like way down the list, like after source to me, like I care most about source because um, it's too easy to game influence, right? Like, oh, I sent an email to that contact or they came to an event, like I influenced the deal. And yes, I'm sure there is an aspect of influence and you can build a really comprehensive and complex attribution model to maybe show that. But I, I mean, for me, it's like all about source revenue or it was at least. I think like once you get more and more senior, like I think at like a C level, really it's, I actually don't know if I care as much about that anymore. I mean, I care about like my team hitting their goals, but I think as a C-level, more importantly, like your job isn't just to hit your team's goals. It's like to help the company hit their goals, right? Yeah. So like, I think you have to be able to put on like your your executive hat and be like, you know what? Like I might miss this goal, but like I'm missing it because there's a more important company goal that we need to hit. And like everyone will understand that. Yeah. And let's have that discussion as an executive team and then let's change the goals potentially. But I remember like having a, a hard conversation at one point in one of my previous jobs where I was like, well, we're hitting our goal. Like they're not hitting their goal. Like they're not contributing their number that they agreed to contribute. And my CEO's feedback was like, look like at your level, like they're all your goals. Like 
the the chief product officer's goal is your goal like the chief revenue officer's goal is your goal the the chief people officer's goal is your goal like we are one team yeah and that was kind of like a good i think realization for me that like it's a you you become a little less egocentric i think at that level because it's true right like if we smash our goals and like the company doesn't smash their goals like i don't want my team to celebrate and you know so i think looking looking at your career you've done such a good job of of moving at the right time and moving into good roles that have kind of provided that next step yeah. on the journey. That's probably you- something I am pretty strategic about, I think. Yeah. Like for me, for me, I care a lot about like learnings, to be honest. Like I think for me, like the moment I plateau in a role, um, and I'll be pretty open and honest with like my boss as well. Like, you know, I'm plateauing. Like I don't feel like I'm learning as much anymore. And yeah, you can throw like stock and comp and whatnot at me, but like I probably I actually care less about that because I think that's like short term thinking more money right now, whereas I think like learnings and accelerating your learnings is like long term thinking and will make you more money in the long term. Yeah, um, there's definitely been roles where like I've been offered more money to stay and I haven't taken it because I the, there, there isn't a role like I'll already have factored that in if I'm leaving like is there an actual role that I can learn more in at that, um, at that organization? Maybe there isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so I think for me, it's like really about like learning. I mean, I think it's weird. Like my average is about three years with most, like with, you know, I think that's like literally like the amount I've spent at every company. And um, and that's not intentional. It's not like I'm a three year and then I'm an out person. But I think for those companies, it, like, I felt like I had learned all the things that I could learn, right? Like it's Salesforce and exact target. You know, it was, for, for, I guess part of like how I think about like career and learnings is like, I think of, like, what do I want to learn? Like, I want to, so I've always wanted to know B2B and B2C, um, right? And so I started in B2C at Microsoft. I then moved to kind of B2B with like exact target, Salesforce, HubSpot. HubSpot's a little bit B2B, B2C, just because yep. of the inbound motion, which I always really liked. G2 was like B to B to C. So it's like a marketplace. So I kind of, I have been pretty strategic in the sense of like, I wanted to do B2B, B2C. I wanted to do like, direct to consumer i wanted to do marketplace like i to me i think that like the best marketers are the ones that actually don't necessarily have like the deepest specializations but go pretty deep in all areas like i'm never going to go as deep as like an seo person in seo but i reckon like i probably have like 80 percent of what i need to know and a lot deeper than most people and i think if you can do that like you know kind of like a t-shaped marketer but the, the, like the t the top part of the t is like very deep yeah um is sort of my approach and then like my like long part for me is like revenue is probably what i care most about um so yeah i have kind of thought a lot about that and um and then the industries that i'm going into and i'll kind of I, i'll factor in a lot of things right like i would always look at g2 reviews because you know i don't want to join a company that's offering me great money even like if people don't like the product because like yeah. that's again like not going to work out similarly like i would always look on Glassdoor to see like what's the culture like internally because if the culture's bad like that's going to impact the product and the innovation and turnover yeah so yeah i guess i factored in a bunch of those different things and you know i care a lot about also like the team i'm going to be on right so like the leadership team at gym pass is like really, really remarkable. Like I feel like such an imposter with all of them. <laughs> Everyone is so much smarter than I am, which I like that, right? Like, you know, I wouldn't want to be the smartest person in the room. Like that would be like insufferable because yeah. you wouldn't be learning anything. <laughs> and I'm not that smart anyways. So to me, like being around really smart people and learning from the way they think, uh, I love. Yeah, that's good. Maybe that leads a little bit. So I wanted to ask you about kind of what drives you. You've, 
I think the um, continual growth and learning is an interesting mm-hmm. one, but kind of what you said before about almost wanting to prove to yourself that you could kind of move through and get to that level. Like, is that still the drive? Yeah, it's weird. I had a bit of like a reckoning once I became like, once I got to like CMO, which is like what I wanted to, like I was like, it was like a few months before my 30th birthday. And like, weirdly, I'd set myself a goal when I was really little, I think like 10 or 12, I was like, I'm going to be a CMO by 30. And I'd kind of forgotten about that. And then I kind of, I was reminded, it's so funny how like, I'm not into like that whole manifesting BS, but like, Mm. I think there's a little bit to it in some ways. Like if it's not just a, not a fluffy manifestation, but if it's like a deep thing that you're working towards, I think it, it really helps. But when I got there, it was weird. Initially, I was like so happy I was over the moon. And then within a few months, I started to feel like the itch again. I was like, what the hell? Like I got the job that I've always wanted and I'm unhappy. Like, and I started being like, okay, well, I guess I need to be a CEO next. Like that's there. Like, and then I need to be a VC and then a PE. And like, (laughs) and I was like, well, right. And like, calm down. Like you've never wanted to do those things. Like what's going on. And I was able to kind of like dig deep in therapy and really like start to recognize that like achievement and money and material things was like a huge thing driving me. And, and I still like all those things. Right. Um, But I don't know. I think they're maybe less, they're, they're less in control of my happiness today as they may have been in the past. Yeah. I think the other thing that also like kind of has driven me a lot is like to become, I just love the idea of like, I've always loved the idea of like, whatever you do, do it really, really well. Right. And I kind of, you know, having a two-year-old son now, like, you know, if he wants to be like a garbage truck, like driver, like I'm okay with that. If he's just like the best fucking garbage truck driver, <laughs> I don't even know if that's a good thing to think. Like, I don't even know if I would put that pressure on him, but that has always been my yeah. mentality in the past. It's like, whatever you do, like do it well. Like if otherwise, what's the point? I think that I don't even know if that's fully healthy, but, um, but that's sort of been a little bit of what drove me. I think like some, you know, perfectionistic tendencies and wanting to achieve lots. Um, yeah. There's a lot of drive, a lot of drive with him there, Ryan. Yeah. It's, you know, it's faded over the years, which is a weird thing. Actually. I feel like the, I don't feel as much of it as I did in the past. And I think in some ways, like it's a bit uncomfortable, but it's also kind of like a, a kind of really nice feeling to not feel like you're on, you like have to go, go, go all the time. So it's been an interesting transition. What, um, what do you think the best marketers do in terms of career progression from your observations you've dealt with? hundreds thousands of marketers right i've interviewed so many people you know i think i to be honest um one of my peers said this in a tweet and it was so on point and i think like the best marketers really like the best thing they do is they choose the right company to work for and i I don't know i think that's true of like any role like the best sales reps etc like you can't like good marketing will only make a shitty product fail faster in my opinion um there may be some different views of thought on this but um and so i think like the best marketers really like understand the product that they're going to be selling right marketing is a sales thing today um and like is it the best can it be the best like what's the go and i think like once they have identified like what are the up-and-coming companies and products and g2 is how i used to always sort of like guide myself there um, they then work out like is the go-to-market sales motion is it something that like I have the skill set to to be able to um, to execute upon really right so like for example like I um, I don't know like I love Airbnb for example I'd be like the CMO of Airbnb like in an instant um, but like 
would I like would I be the best CMO for them? I don't know. You know, like I don't I don't have as deep of experience in like B to C and direct to consumer. Like it's a, it has a lot of marketplace elements and I've got like that experience, but I don't know. I'd have mm. to learn a lot. Um, and I, so I think like you kind of have to match your skills and, and or your learning abilities, right? So like for me, when I moved from Microsoft to Exact Target, like I went from B to C to like enterprise B to B. It was totally different, but I kind of like jumping in, like I said before, into new areas, into new industries, into yeah. new like go-to-market motions. Because I think once you learn it, like you then become so much better than everyone that just does that thing. Because like now I can like pull on enterprise, I can pull on like inbound, I can pull on SMB, I can pull on direct to consumer, I can pull on marketplace. And you just get exposed, I think, to like more tactics and more go-to-market frameworks that then make yeah. you a little bit better. That's good. I like I like that a lot. What um what does a day to day look like? Kind of curious, you know, like it's um yeah. it's a big big company, good budgets, lots of people. Yeah, it's different. So I mean so my, I think I have about, I think I have about 300 people on my team at Gym Pass. Um, and so I guess my days look quite different here than they have at previous companies. It's kind of depends on like the stage of the company. I mean, I, I mean, I was so lucky, like when I joined Gym Pass in that, you know, the company was, you know, we're like, we're more than doubling our revenue every six months, like, hmm. like crazy growth. Um, and so I think when I joined, like the CEO said to me, is like, look, like you don't need to rush to do anything, right? Like we're growing incredibly well. Like we're hiring you for like two, three years plus. Like we're hiring you for like what our growth looks like in the future, not because we need you right now. We're doing fine. Hmm. Um, and so that I think allowed me to feel less pressure because like teams are hitting their numbers, which is great to see. Um, I mean, a lot of it's like working with the team, really. I think like once you have a team of like, you know, in the hundreds, especially like 300, um, you know, like I, I can't like get my hands dirty, right? Like I love to, so like that was a thing that I had to get used to. Like I love mm. the craft of marketing. Like I love that. Um, and so for me to like not do that, it's like it's taken me like years in the last few years to like actually like not like write the email copy or to not set up the survey monkey questionnaire like i love that shit um so it's, it's a lot of time is like spent like working with the teams and i'm really fortunate that i have like six incredible vps under me um and so for me it's kind of like how do i remove blockers for them and their teams i think like i don't know i feel like a third of my day is like removing blockers for my team and mostly that involves like getting alignment between me and another elt and an executive leadership team member like around like, okay, my team has escalated an issue that like they're having with another team. Let me speak to the other exec and like, let's work out what's going on and then get the team moving quickly. Like a third of my time is doing that. Like a third of my time is, is kind of like more operational. So like literally like kind of coaching the team, working with them on whatever they're working through. So like if they're struggling to hire someone that might be like helping them think about job descriptions or, if they're, you know, working through like a big kind of project on something, reviewing it and, and just helping them think about it as an outsider to help them do it better. Um, so that's kind of more operational stuff, like your standard things like one-on-ones and, um, you know, cal- like employee calibrations and town halls and things like that. And then, I don't know, I think like the the last third, I, I try, I don't think I do a good job at this, but I try to give myself like a third of time for me to think about things 
that are bigger than like the reactive stuff. Cause, yeah. um, you know, I think that's like such an important thing. Like the more senior you get, like you're, you're kind of needing to start to think about problems that are going to arise like three, six, nine, 12 months before they arise. Right. So like, yeah. EG, like, you know, when I like joined gym pass, I noticed that like, we are very dependent on paid media. Like we use, we spend a lot of money on paid marketing and it's great. It worked for us, but like, you know, paid marketing keeps getting more and more expensive and you're just like renting audiences that way. Right. So like that, like reflecting on that helped me realize like, Hey, we really need to build out like a big organic growth team so that we don't rely as much on paid. Not that we will never stop doing paid. Like yeah, paid totally. is great. Yeah great channel like especially like if you need to pop up your your mqls etc because like inbound isn't cutting it um but it shouldn't be the majority um and so it's kind of and like and then even just thinking a bit more about like okay like how many times are we emailing our audience like you know we have millions of like gym pass for those that don't know right like we sell b2b first to companies so a company like you know rocket agency would buy gym pass and then they would give gym pass to all their employees. And then your employees then would choose if they want to buy a certain level of gym pass, which gives them access to like gyms all around the world. Um, so there's like that B2B motion and then there's the B2C motion after that. And so like we had never really done a good like kind of matrix around like how many times are we emailing our database, like our users, right? Because they go into different nurtures, different push notification tracks through Braze and other tools that we use. And like, you know, we've changed pricing plans sometimes. And so like, we're doing this right now, like really getting a deeper insight into kind of like, are we like doing a good job of managing our audience or are we sort of sending certain segments too many comms or too little comms, right? There's both sides of it. Um, yeah. You know, another thing is even just like recently we were deep diving into like reviews online, right? Like pulling together all of our reviews from the Google app store, the like the Apple app store, like Trustpilot, like, um g2 like and then there's a there's a dozen other versions of g2 that are very like country specific as well right yeah. like in brazil there's something called reclaim a key i think and in germany there's different tools and so like starting to focus on all of our regions and so like that's something that like wasn't like an urgent thing but it was more like hey i really want to get an idea of like what our customers and users are saying and you start to see some really interesting trends and so yeah. I don't know. That's where I try to spend like a third of my time. It's, it realistically probably isn't a third, but um, yeah, that's how I would like hard, to maybe spend it. And what are you doing for your own professional, kind of personal and professional development? Like how do you keep growing? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I don't know. I think like once you're like in the C-suite, like for me, like I think of growth in a few different ways. I feel like there's like learning more about just like business and how businesses operate, right? And so I think, I think all of the exec team learns from each other, right? Like they learn a bit more about marketing. I learn a bit more about finance, about products. So we're all kind of like learning about our different domains. And I feel like I get a lot of on the job learnings that way. Um, you know, I, I think I've done a good job over the years at building out a really strong network of CMOs at like really amazing companies that I can like, I was just texting one recently. I was like, Hey, like you went through an amazing IPO two years ago. Like we're going through IPO due diligence. Like, would love to kind of like pick your brains on all of your learnings. Um, so I feel like that, and that was something that I didn't have immediately when I moved over to the US five years ago. And now I feel really like happy with like my CMO network of peers that I can like lean on, not just as a professional, but like personal friends too. Um, how have you gone up? Cause I think that's, I think the network bit is so important for marketers at any level. Yeah. How have you practically gone about I've just like that always network? done that. I think, I think I'm like, I'm like a weird, like, extroverted introvert or I don't know what I am but 
like to me like i've always done that so like when i was a field market or even like a long time ago like i would reach out to other field marketers at other companies and i'll be like hey like why don't we like learn from each other let's go to lunch like literally i would just yeah. do lunches all the time back then yeah um and even as a cmo when i first started like the role like i would take other cmos out to lunch and just like get to know them on a personal level and I would typically have things that I could share to them that would help them and vice versa. Um, and so I, I think I'm just not afraid to like do cold outreach. And, um, and, and I think it's like, it's like not about take, 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 like it's like about give and take, right? So like I'll reach out yeah. to them and I'll say, hey, I love that campaign of yours. I had some thoughts, like we're doing a really good job on this part of marketing. I think, you know, no offense, but I think like you guys could do a better job here. Like would love to share some feedback with you. And I would love for you to give me any feedback that you have on, our marketing that you see i'm sure you have opinions um yeah. you know so yeah i think i've just always done that and i think you know, you're doing that, that in the day when we yeah i think i always you, have you're always done good that at it. really yeah. just because i um I, I think i've just i like love learning and i love and i, I love meeting people too and to mm. me like a one-on-one -on -one lunch date with someone who i can learn from and vice versa like so nice and and also like a yeah. really nice way to vent about things too i think like you know like connecting with other cmos early on was like so refreshing because i could be like like you know just like all the common aspects of your job that are difficult right yeah. um and so you can't typically talk about that with your team or your your yeah. exec team and so it's nice to be able to have that as an outlet and to learn from those other people so i think uh, yeah, to me, that's always just been like a really natural thing. I've never really forced it. I think you can force it. I've tried to work with some people on my teams that I feel like that want to do that, but have struggled to do it. And I'm like, I, don't, I think a lot of people think it's weirder than it is to reach out to someone you don't know and say, hey, let's get lunch. And it, I just, it's yeah. not a weird thing at all. No, um, and I do it all the time with other agency owners, right? And I think yeah. when I was younger, I would think, no, they're the competition. You don't. That's not what you do, yeah, but now it's like, no. it's, it's not a zero yeah. sum game. Everyone, yeah, exactly. It really yeah. isn't. There's so much to learn from each other. And like, if you can be vulnerable and give a little bit of something to them, like they'll reciprocate, right? Um, yeah. And I think that's the other big thing, right? Whenever I'm building relationships with folks, and again, this isn't intentional. This is just who I am. Like, I, I'm pretty, I'm like, I'm authentic, right? Like, I really, I'm not afraid to like share things that other people would like be afraid to share. And I think when you're really vulnerable and authentic with someone, it's almost, I would, I think it's actually potentially impossible for them to not give that back to you. Cause it's like, hmm. there's just like a social reciprocity. I think it's like one of the seven laws of power or influence. I can't remember that book, but yeah. it's like when someone gives you something, you feel the need to give them something back. And yeah. so if you show up and you're vulnerable and you share with like a, an agency founder, like a struggle that you're having, they, they're not going to be like, oh yeah, okay. Like they're going to yeah. be like, oh yeah. We went through that. Yeah. This is what we found, or maybe they have something different. hundred percent. Uh, I think that's. I think that's a great. Um, a great learning for marketers on the pod. Mm -hmm. Any basically anyone on the pod. Like I think you get it. Get out there, meet people, learn from them. It's so share. fun too. It's yeah. so much fun, you know. And like you might those even make are the some people. Friends. Then you have you have those relationships <laughs> throughout your whole career and life. Then yeah, perfect. Two more questions, Ryan. Um, yeah. first one: best decision you've made professionally. An interesting question. Um, probably moving to the US. I think it would have to be that. I think, yeah. I, I to me, like, I don't know. Like, I, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, but like, I just, I love kind of like the way the U.S. views tech and growth, and, and you know, I don't. I think I'm like unbiased in saying this, but I think even when I was at Exact Target, like, we always found that like the U.S. market was the most advanced. Europe kind of followed. 
Asia kind of lagged and then like Latam lagged behind Asia. Um, and so for me, I always wanted to kind of be like at the like front end of, of it all where the, you know, the tech was being built and where the strategies are being tested first. And so I think like I've learned the most I've learned in my career and I've been open to the most opportunities like moving to the US. But I, I think like importantly, like what I kind of mentioned before is like, I think the timing of a move like that is key. Like if you are wanting to do something like that, like I wouldn't, if I had moved to the US, like at the start of my career, I don't think I would be anywhere near where I am today because I wouldn't mm. have had that like end-to-end regional experience, which was essentially like a regional CMO without the yeah. title. Um, so I don't know. I think like, you know, I think part of it's that. I think a big part of it's just like luck as well, to be honest, like in right place at the right time and just having a good gut feel for like which companies are on the up and which companies aren't. And I think yeah. I've made a mistake once in my career on that front. Um, but most often I'm like pretty right. And my learning from that time that I made that mistake was I wasn't a customer of the product beforehand. Um, and I think other are than talk, are that- you talking about the, Are you talking about the two weeks you worked for us? No, 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 I was talking about um, when I was at Whereby actually, right? Um, and, you know, Whereby, like loved the team at Whereby and loved the product, but I wasn't a user of it. Yeah. I didn't realize, because I wasn't a user of it, I didn't realize that like they didn't really have product market fit. They, yeah. they, they had kind of like product situation fit, right, with COVID and that really boosted all the numbers. But then post-COVID, um, there wasn't as much of that fit, I think. And they've pivoted and I think they're doing really well now. So like, that, I don't mean yeah. anything bad about it. Like, that I love, I'm that such time. good friends with that team. But I think like, to me, that was like, I just had Jagger. I was just coming off paternity leave. I was ready for a change. And I don't think I like gave it as much thought as I had always done previously. Mm-hmm. And I think I like learned from that experience. Um, but, you know, I landed at Gym Pass. So like everything kind of happens for a reason. And, I, yeah, and I've never good. been happier than where I am right now. So it's good. It's good. Proud of you. Um, and Thanks. the final question, which I've already given you the, uh, you know, the, the, the intro to um, the best single piece of advice for aspiring marketers. You know, um, I mean, we talked a bit about obviously like the revenue piece and owning a number. I just, I think the more than that really is like um, taking risks. Like, I think like I've always been a risk taker in my career, right? Like, whether it's like negotiating salary with my boss and, or like, you know, at Salesforce, we, um, you know, we were launching this new product and I took like 25 CMO skydiving because I was like, we're taking them to the cloud. Um, and it was huge. And like everyone at like the CEO at Salesforce kind of like wrote about it in like the weekly newsletter and helped me like get my brand out there and opened up opportunities for me at Salesforce. And I think I'm just like, I, like this, I'm not a fan of the status quo. Like I, I kind mm-hmm. of hate actually the status quo. Like I don't want to be the person doing what everyone else is doing. Like the term best practice is like the, I just can't stand that. Cause like best practice means basically like everyone is doing it. Um, and so like, it's hard to innovate on something that everyone's doing. And so I've just always mm-hmm. kind of been um, someone that like wants to like push the needle on like, whether it's a campaign that I'm doing, like I, I just want things to be different and, and I think when you are willing to do that, like it gets you seen internally, you get more attention. Um, and then if the results are positive, which I've been fortunate they have been, then you're getting more attention and then that's showcasing like your great results. Um, like it's hard to get attention if you work for an international company when you're in Australia or when you're in a region. And so you almost like it almost, I think maybe that's why where I got this from, it kind of forced me to have to like do things bigger and better to get attention 
to get recognition from like HQ. Um, So I think like not being afraid to like push the needle and take some big swings um, whilst driving impact. I think I tell my team this all the time, but like, I don't think you can do those big risks and the big swings if you don't have your fundamentals working, right? So for me, it's like spend the first few months in your job getting getting like the metrics that you need to move, moving, right? So if you need to drive MQLs, if you need to drive email revenue, if you need to drive social media follower growth, like work out the easiest and most repeatable way to like hit that metric um, and deliver on what the business needs of you. And then you then start to take the big swings because if the big swing misses, it doesn't matter then because it's like, well, I'm still hitting my goals. Like this is like playtime, you know, it's like that. So I, I think I've always like really worked hard on like getting the fundamentals working so that I could play, you know, and really have yeah. fun. And I think, you know, you were at Hub, you were kind of working with HubSpot when we launched like the email signature generator, right? Like, again, it's like little free tool. It cost us $6,000 to build and generated like tens of millions of revenue organically because it ranked number one for email signature and stuff like yeah. that stuff that like, I don't think you can get the bandwidth to think about those things if you are struggling no. to meet your number. So it's like yeah. meet your number and then like take some big bets. That's it. Cause we're in business at the end of the day, right? The numbers have to be hit. The numbers are the numbers. Um, and yeah. then if they're being hit, then there's a tolerance for a lot of other stuff. Right. But yeah. if the numbers aren't being hit, it's uh, not so positive. Exactly. Legend. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for coming onto the pod. You've you've achieved so much in such oh, a that's sweet short of you space too. of time. <laughs> you've done with the agency. It's so amazing. So, kudos. Thanks, mate. I'll get you on at another time. Maybe uh, some, another another topic. There's there's so much. I would so love it. I would go. love that. That'd be so fun. Good stuff. Thanks, awesome. Ryan. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.